Welcome back to Decoded Season 2. My name is Sydney Lai, and in this season, I am happy to share that we are going to be exploring relevant topics for the next generation of developers. I think it's going to be a really fun season because we are looking at how other devs are building some of the applications and startups and tech companies that we truly love and enjoy. As a reminder, this show is brought to you by OutSystems. OutSystems is a developer platform for building web and mobile and for this episode. We are going to look into AWS. I feel like when I first got started on AWS, I really just treated it as like, all right, this is this is a service that I can get for really just storage, right? Elastic Beanstalk came out. That became pretty, pretty exciting and popular. But, you know, to be honest, besides those two, I wasn't really very much invested in the AWS ecosystem. I was more so in the Google ecosystem, primarily because I did a lot of GDG stuff. With that being said, I'm really excited to bring on Nikki Stone. Nikki Stone is a AWS developer, specifically working on the Amplify team. So she's an iOS developer on the Amplify team. And we're going to touch base a little bit about all the other projects that AWS touches on. I mean, we're not going to be able to cover all of them. There's an insane amount of services that AWS covers. But, you know, after this conversation, I do say that I became super jazzed to just play with every single one of their services. It's like a buffet. So I'm excited to share this episode with you. Let's dive in. I am super glad to have Nikki Stone here today. Nikki, we are going to talk about AWS. I want to know a lot about it because AWS is literally everywhere. And one of the things that I found out this week, because I never took the time to count this, is that you guys have 175 services, which absolutely blew my mind. So I think it's actually more like 200 now, but it blows my mind just as just as much as it blows yours. Right, right. So I don't know if it's even physically possible to cover all of them today. But, you know, at the very least, I want to welcome you and share a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you get into becoming an iOS developer and then also into joining AWS? First of all, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me on this uh, show today. Uh, so yeah, my name's Nikki. I have been a developer for seven years now. Wow, that's crazy to say. Um, I've had a definitely non-traditional path to software development, so I didn't have a traditional background. And then once I got into software development, iOS was something that I took up as a hobby on the side. So I was actually just a full stack dev at work. And then I was an iOS developer by night with a couple beers late into the evening. And then basically I started a company and I got a VC round, did that whole thing. Fortunately, my company came to a terrible end due to some bad politics. And then I started working for AWS. And initially when I worked for AWS, I was working in, in areas that I was familiar with. So more along the lines of my traditional work path of like things I had, technologies I had worked in like .NET, and full stack and web development. And then um, the iOS team basically asked to uh, to have me since I had been building apps on the side for six years at that point. So then I got to join the iOS team and, and you know, that's where the magic, that's where the magic happens for me at least. So I was very thrilled to make my full-time hobby, my full-time job. Um, so that's basically how I got started with Amplify. Uh, but yeah, I've worked in various uh, parts of the organization at AWS. So my, my only experience isn't Amplify. I've actually worked on the Windows EC2 team, and as well as the um, evangelism team. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you about this then. And I mean, just to, just to kick it off, you know, I feel like I have a lot of friends who are full stack devs, 
I have like one and a half friends who are iOS devs. You guys are like <laughs> baby unicorns. So then like, just to even kick it off, like where is your stance on Pixel? Would you ever touch an Android or you're like only iOS? I think, so I've been like an Apple obsessed person since I was like seven years old. Um, so I actually told my dad to buy Apple stock when I was seven. He looked at me <laughs> like I was crazy. Um, <laughs> Perfect. I told him again when I was 12. I mean, he would have made millions of dollars if he had actually listened to seven-year-old me. Uh, so I've been Apple obsessed since childhood. So for me, it just made sense. I also worked at the Genius Bar in college. I was a genius. Oh my gosh. Um, so it'd be really hard for me. I think my life is so integrated now with Apple. Like I've just been, I've been on their systems since I was a kid and it's really hard to get off of it now. Like it's just, it's, magic. it's an addiction. It's how, it's how so there, they do it. there've been times where I've considered the jump to Android. And every time I'm like, Oh, that sounds like a pain. Yeah. No. Yeah. I keep forget I keep flip flopping back because apparently I have no platform loyalty. So I'll go from Android to iOS to Android. And then I dated an iOS developer. And during that time I switched to Android and uh there was a threat to be broken up with. So uh Ooh. I know. Well, so I mean, Silicon I, Valley. I will, say, I will say my personal device is iOS, but in terms of development, um, I do work with with Android uh, frameworks that and, makes sense. you know, I write Kotlin. So that makes sense. Well then let's, yeah, let's talk about Amplify, right? I think, you know, where, where I really became interested in Amplify was this thesis, at least from, from myself, I think that this next wave of developers is really going to leverage the creators and really focus on like front end developers, creator, kind of like the creator dev, that kind of synergy and, you know, when I was using Amplify last week, it was just incredible how easy it was to use. And, it, and it's like, when I was thinking about AWS, like, let's, let's backtrack really quick, right? First of all, I think people who are not devs, I think they forget that, like, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that people forget that Amazon makes dev tools or dev services. Because even if you just ask someone, like, what does Amazon do? It's like, oh, they ship pro online shopping, books, I... Okay, spinners, yes. Right? I think it's one of the biggest problems, in my opinion, because the AWS side of Amazon makes a hell of a lot more money right. than the retail side right. of Amazon. I, so, so like, how? okay, so like, let's backtrack. We're like, how did Amazon get into AWS? And when? Because one day Jeff Bezos is just like, I'm going to sell books. Just kidding. I'm going to sell you everything. And then like <laughs> randomly AWS rings up and then it's like, oh, by the way, do you want 200 different options? So like, where was that transition and how did AWS even get started? So AWS got started in 2006 for reference frame of time. And basically what happened was, you know, Amazon, the retail side of things, they had to figure out how to scale really fast and, and do it really well because they were they were selling a lot of books and a lot of other things um, and expanding their business. And so uh, the engineers, you know, had to figure out how to solve these really hard, complex problems that hadn't yet been solved because, you know, this was the first time the Internet was really scaling in a huge way. And so one person was like, oh, you know, we could basically sell this as a service. Man. And so it kind of like became a thing where I was like, OK, well, why don't we just put out this one service and see if people bite? And, and they put out S3, actually. And. That's the OG. That was the OG service. S3 was the OG service. Might have been SQS, S3, like around there. They were all kind of like at the same time, but I believe S3 was the original service that WS put out. And uh, so yeah, it's one of one of our oldest services to date, and one of our most durable and available. Like it like almost never goes down. So it's also our most widely used service. I don't know if you've ever seen, but like a lot of restaurants will host their menu on S3 or. 
you know, yes, it's yes, one of the yes. most widely used services. Yeah, that's um, a good point. <clears throat> so yeah, they they started selling it as a service. And then, you know, it kind of evolved from there quickly into EC2 of like, oh, well, we, we can basically sell data centers as a service. And basically like all these ways that we came up with of like how we were going to scale and how, you know, we should virtualize this and what we should do here to solve all these problems that we were having internally. We basically decided to sell to developers, to companies as services. And it's just, it's just grown from there, right? The more, the more we just keep putting things out, the more we keep abstracting higher and higher on top of that, right? So going back to S3 and EC2, you're at the, you're at the bare bones, right? You're at the very bare bones of what you might need to spin up a, a site or an app or anything, right? But then customers don't even, they want higher level abstractions now. They want, you know, I want you to do it for me. I want you to, you know, not only do I want you to own the data center, I want you to spin up the server and maintain it and patch it for me. And I just want to give you my code. Right. And so you see trends like serverless, you know, take flight. So, I mean, it's just, it's been a wild ride, right? Since 2006, but really it was just built out of like our own necessity for some of these things. That actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially since just the scale of your business today, I mean, outside of AWS, but even just focusing on AWS, right? You said there's anywhere from 170 to 200 services. What do you, if we were to play like AWS bingo or like never have I ever, (laughs) like what would be the least known service that totally could use some TLC or like that a dev should know about, right? I mean, there's just so many. It's like, Oh, hey, don't forget about this one, right? Well, it depends on your area of interest. That's a good point. I mean, there's, so if we separate AWS into categories, which if you've ever looked at the console, they very much are separated into categories. Like these are all the machine learning services. These are all the, I would say one that maybe not a lot of devs have looked at is RoboMaker, but that's if you have an interest in robotics and like working with robotics. That's a good point. So a lot of these newer services now and these newer categories like machine learning and robotics are put out to kind of help developers make the transition into those categories if they've never done it before. So I find them very interesting as a person who's never done robotics to come in and be like, oh, I can do that. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Using certain tools to like transition you into another field of development. So as, you know, to your point, going into into IoT. And I think this kind of brings me back to like Amplify, which is why I think it's so great is that if you're really, really strong in front end and you know, you know, any kind of full stack, you're able to just, I mean, Amplify is really, really powerful. So let's dive in a little bit deeper. Like how did you end up on that team? And then what was a project that you either worked on on that team or like what did, or just even eating your own dog food? Like what was that experience like? Oh, so many good stories. I don't even know where to start. Okay. So Amplify started actually like shortly after I started at Amazon. So the Amplify JS libraries launched probably a year into me working at AWS. And I discovered them and was like, oh my God, this is gold. I am a huge serverless fan. So I'm really into serverless stuff. And I'm really into like, let's do something serverless on the back end. And then let me just build the front end. And so Amplify just quickly, you know, changed my life. And I started using it as an evangelist. I started evangelizing it. I talked about it a lot. I, you know, was just basically showing it to everyone. Like, do you think this is as cool as I think it is? Because I'm like drooling right now. Anyways, so uh, I was, I got assigned to do a reInvent talk on Amplify because of how much I evangelized it. And I got paired with my now manager and we just got on the phone and, you know, we started talking, was trying to get to know him. And he was like, so how do you want to split this up? And I'm like, well, actually, you know, I, I could build the iOS app if you build the Android app and we could do it that way. And he's like, whoa, 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 hold up you write iOS apps? And I'm like, 
yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm looking for another Swift developer right now. Like, do you write Swift? I'm like, oh yeah, every weekend, every weeknight, that's me, I'm writing Swift. And he's like, why don't you come to my team? So it just, it was like a chance encounter that like never would have happened probably if I didn't get assigned that reInvent talk. Um, the fun part about that story though, is that, you know, I got assigned that reInvent talk. We're like two months away from reInvent. He asked me to join the team. I joined the team and then I helped launch the Amplify iOS library. So I actually built Amplify Predictions, um, which if you're familiar with Amplify Predictions, we basically wrapped all of the machine learning services for you and made it really easy for you to incorporate machine learning into your apps. And what's really cool on the iOS side, which is the side I obviously worked on, is we actually combine CoreML models and the AWS models. So if you're not familiar, CoreML is a framework that Apple wrote to help uh, iOS developers do machine learning. And basically what I do is I make the same request to CoreML. So I'm like, hey, you know, find all the words in this picture, right? And I'll make that request to CoreML. Then I'll make the same request to AWS. I'll compare the results and I will actually union them. So I will give you the widest set of results. So let's say Apple found a word that AWS didn't find. I'm going to give that back to you. And I will also give you the highest um, confidence score. So if Apple's like, hey, I'm 99% sure there is a, you know, the word Fred in this picture. And, you know, Amazon is like, hey, I'm actually only 98% sure the word Fred is in this picture. I'm going to give you back 99% and be like, hey, we are 99% sure because this model was. So I'm basically giving you the highest accuracy and the widest data set with every request you make because I'm actually unioning the results. I just, I, I actually didn't realize that Amplify also incorporated ML as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a category of Amplify called predictions. Um, and predictions, you know, will also run locally. So because CoreML runs locally on device, let's say you didn't even have internet connection and you wanted to capture ML in your app, like on the train in New York, you could actually do that because the requests, um, basically, if I don't have internet connection, I just call CoreML and I can give you the same data and results no matter where you are in the world. So you could do machine learning on Mars if you wanted to. Yeah, so then could you like share one of the projects you worked on that really was able to encapsulate this? So, I mean, I built like a little example app that just basically uses like almost every piece of the category just to show like what it does. But recently I wanted to kind of, you know, try out the other categories that I maybe didn't have intimate familiarity with. So I really actually built a real app using Data Store and Amplify Auth, which I, I think are two of the probably most widely used categories. Yep, you know, predictions yep. is a great category. I spent a lot of time on it, but let's be honest, like not everybody's going to put machine learning in their app. A lot of people just need basic auth and storage, right? Right. right. Like Data Store, it launched at the same time as Predictions. Now, obviously, I feel like their launch upscaled my little Predictions right. launch, but because Data Store is really cool. Yeah. Um, it solves a really uh, common problem to mobile developers. So if you're a mobile dev, right, and you're listening, you know that it is a very common problem to try to sync the data that you have locally with the data that you have in a database somewhere, maybe in a cloud. Maybe it's on-prem. I don't know where it is, but it's somewhere. And to try to get those things to sync up and, you know, merge the data appropriately, let's say the user was out of internet service and they did a bunch of things. It's a very, very hard problem to solve. And it mostly creates a lot of bugs for mobile developers. And it's just, it's very difficult. So Data Storage solves it for you. We do automatic merge. So we will find, you know, where, who added what, We'll actually analyze the data and add things appropriately and merge them appropriately to what we think that you would want to do. Like if you have, you know, you added Sally and Fred locally and you have Brad on, on the cloud, you know, we're going to put them all together. So now you have Sally, Joan and 
Brad, Brad or Fred, whatever I said. So you have all three, right? We're going to do an appropriate merge uh, based on your data. And so I find it to be amazing, especially for apps that I want to have local data on. So I want you to be able to use it when you're not in network. So I built a food diary. It's basically what I did. I, I built it for a friend of mine who manages a tiny little business yeah. um, of clients where she helps them like nutritionist. And essentially the food diary, you, you can basically track everything. And I, I need you to be able to access your food diaries no matter where you are. If you're on an airplane, right? You could be eating a That's meal. True. I, you have to be able to see it. So I need for you to have the ability to see your data locally, for you to continue to add things, delete things, and do whatever you need to do. And then I also need the data to sync with the cloud when you're back in internet connection. And so the really nice thing is in a matter of like one day, I got that all working with data store and Amplify Auth. So, you know, I authenticate the user and then I basically, every call is authenticated from there. And so when you sign into the app, it actually performs a sync. And so it'll sync with the cloud, merge everything that needs to be merged, and then display you the most up-to-date merged data as long as you're in network. And then if you're not in network, you know, you'll see what you have locally. So when you last synced, it will be there for you. And it just, it just works. It's just, it's just incredible how quickly I got that app up and running. Now, obviously, there are things that we can improve on. Since I dogfooded our stuff, I'm happy to talk about like where I think that we lacked, where I think we can do better, having now been a customer of it. But yeah, I had a great experience just how quickly I could get something that was so difficult before uh, done so fast. Yeah, I think the way one develops has changed even just so much. I, I remember first coming across AWS back in 2014 and the services that are offered today, the way you are able to just streamline your builds is absolutely insane. And insane. even, yeah, it's mind blowing, right? And so like, as you're just talking about, even now with using the Amplify service, the two things that stand out, right? So one is that prediction feature that you mentioned. And then also number two is also enabling that food diary to have offline storage and sync. You know, even back in 2014, that was a very hard challenge to solve. And the fact that you can just do that today is, is quite significant. So I think when you're looking at both the project, I mean, let's start with that project. As you're building that, like as you're dogfooding Amplify, at what point were you like, oh man, this really needs to be improved? So I would say like getting up and running was really quick. And some of the tutorials that we have are awesome for like the basics. I almost needed like an advanced tutorial though, because I needed the interlay between auth and data store. So it's really easy to get off up and running by itself. It's really easy to get data store up and running by itself. And then when I tried to merge the two together was where I really encountered some some problems, some hiccups. Um, I eventually figured it out, but, and it's all in the docs. It just wasn't, it's just not set up, I guess, in a way we, we need to reorder the docs or we need to figure out how to restructure, how to tell someone how to use these categories in conjunction. Because most likely people are going to try to use auth and data store together. Like that's a super that's common true. use very case. Common. And it was just like, it was just like a basic understanding, I guess, uh, that I lacked of how data store really worked. And, you know, I just, I went to one of the team members who built data store and I was like, how does this work? Like, what am I missing? And he was, he was really quick to explain like, oh, if you look at these data store events, then that's how you can time things going on in your app. So a really good example of this is like when a user signs in, what I really need to happen is I really need all the data to sync immediately. And then I'm, I need to wait before I show you anything until it syncs. Because if I show you something before, it's not accurate. You know, I'm looking at the cloud and I'm like, there's three things in there. Like, why are they not three things on my screen? Oh, because I didn't wait for it to sync before I like loaded the page. So it was like a very like simple, like misunderstanding that I had about how it worked. And so I, you know, I, you call datastore.start 
And I thought that by calling start, that was like it. I'm just, I'm like, okay, I'm good to go. And I just showed the view to the user. But actually what you have to do is you have to subscribe to data store events and wait for all the data to load. So you'll get like a specific event back. And then on that event, then you can trigger the view that you would like to show with the data. Because at that point, it's been synced, it's been merged, the things have been done, and you should see the data that's there locally and on the cloud together as one. So which they should be the same at that point, ideally. So yeah, that that kind of like basic understanding of like, how do I use this category in conjunction with data store? And also at what point should I do certain things in data store? Like I need to subscribe to events happening and then wait on those events before I can do certain things. And that's not the only event. There was like, seven other events where I was like, oh, when do I use this one? When do I use this one? And they're all documented in the docs, but they're not like front and center on the docs. So that kind of understanding, I think, systematically uh, was a little bit lost on me at first. But I suggested doing like a more advanced tutorial. I think the basic tutorial is great to just, you know, go from point A to point B. But then, you know, you're going to want to do B to C and that's where you start to integrate the categories and use them together and in sync with each other. Right. And I think I think that's the beautiful thing about AWS services is that there's so many integration possibilities. Whereas if you and when I think about AWS, oftentimes it's either like the two main famous ones is essentially like S3 or Elastic Beanstalk. Right. And kind of like beyond that, it depends, like one can forget. And then I think the opportunity here is that you are able to have so many services be interoperable with one another. So then I'm curious, you know, as you started the team at Amplify, you know, it's, it was one, two, you know, you really broke it down to kind of like the Android and the iOS. And then how did you guys end up growing the Amplify team? And then also how does it work with all, with the other teams at AWS, right? Like, are you guys basically 170 little startups? Okay, well, one, I think we should back up. <laughs> For the viewers that are new to Amplify, like, what the heck is Amplify, right? right? You might point. be familiar let's with good, AWS, let's, let's, but like, let's go into that. what's Amplify? So Amplify is higher level constructs built on top of the SDK to make AWS and the cloud super easy for you. So, you know, we, we build things in a categorical way and we drop services under those categories, under the hood, and just expose easy interfaces. So let me give you an example. So you have storage, right? Storage is a very common use case. So you can say amplify.storage.put and you just want to save something somewhere. You don't really care where, or maybe you don't even know what service in AWS do I use to store things? Well, obviously, you know, S3 is a common place, but we have other places where you can store things. And so basically you can use the CLI, which is another piece of Amplify. Amplify is kind of like three pieces, the CLI tool, it's the framework libraries, and then it's UI components that are like pre-built out for you. So you can use the CLI, say Amplify add storage, and then literally Amplify will go and create the resources for you in AWS. You don't have to know that it's creating an S3 bucket or that it's creating a Dynamo table or whatever storage you've decided to create. So it'll ask you a bunch of questions on what kind of storage do you need? What is it going to be saving? And then it will go appropriately create the correct resource for you in AWS. And then once that resource has been created, you use the framework libraries to take advantage of that resource. So then, you know, in conjunction with that CLI call that you made, you then in your code call amplify.storage.put and then instantly it will put whatever you've given it into either S3 or whatever kind of storage it created for you based on the questions that you answered. So it's very interconnected and it's very categorical and generic. So it's not cloud specific. So actually, 
in an ideal world, Amplify was built to be abstract. You can almost use it with any cloud. Ooh, For example, I you like could put that. Azure that is, under the hood. That's almost controversial. I like that. That's very... It that's, is a little bit controversial yeah, the way badass. we built it. Um, it's extendable yeah. and it's pluggable. So anybody, any cloud provider right now could build a plugin underneath the category that is for a different cloud. So you, for example... Another cloud provider, I don't have to name them, I think you know what they are, could essentially build a (laughs) plugin underneath the storage category. And all that does is, you know, when storage calls storage.put, it's going to use that plugin instead of the AWS plugin. So we have plugins underneath the categories and the category then uses the plugin to then implement that interface. That's all that happens. So it's built in a way that's both pluggable and extensible And so it's built in a way that it can pretty much be used for any cloud provider. In an ideal world, you know, we have third-party providers in the future, and maybe we have a package manager. And, you know, I don't know. We we could expand to a lot of different ways, but that's kind of how it was designed, and that's what it's capable of right now. So within a category, a category could essentially wrap multiple services. So predictions is a really good example of a category that wraps multiple AWS services. You know, predictions is wrapping transcribe, it's wrapping poly, it's wrapping comprehend, it's wrapping like every single machine learning API that you could think of. Textract, I can't even name them all off the top of my head. There's so many. And there's like six of them. And so it's wrapping all of them in a nice, easy to use interface. So you don't even have to understand when you're using it, that the name of the service that you're using or how to use that service. You just have to know, oh, I want to do machine learning. And I specifically, what I want to do is speech to text. That's it. That's the that's the only understanding you need when you're using Amplify. So then do you have an example of a project or a company that's currently using Amplify and how they're tackling how are they tackling their build with Amplify? Yeah, a really good example, I think, during the pandemic of a company that I saw like immediately and amazingly do something was Orange Theory. So, you know, March 13th, Orange Theory classes, they shut down. Yeah. Like, no more. We're done. And they were like, okay, what are we going to do? Because we are a business and we still want to be able to provide exercise classes to our customers. Well, they, you know, reached out to AWS. They got in touch with Amplify and they were actually able to release an app called Orange Theory at Home, I think March 22nd or March 21st. So think about the number of days like that they built that in. And they had video on-demand workouts to customers via the Orange Theory at Home app within one week. Well, and they didn't have? they previously didn't have any mobile applications? No. Wow. Nope. Yeah. So crazy fast turnaround time. They were very, very happy with the results. Their sales obviously went up after they did this. So like they were very, very ecstatic to be able to create something so quickly with Amplify and turn around. So they were basically shut down for eight days, but then they were back up and running via video workouts on an app before the end of March, which is crazy. Does also Amplify like double the, does it really like help with the workload of, meaning like you can now reduce the amount of iOS devs that you also need or? That's interesting. Possibly. I mean, it it definitely takes the time it takes to set up an app like way, way faster, right? Because you don't need to go figure out the individual service that you need. Go learn about it. Go read about it. Go figure out how to use it. Set it up in your app. You know, you can just use a category and just say, I really need this thing. And, you know, I need off, I need storage, I need fill in the blank. And it's just, it's already done for you. Most of the work is done. You just use the CLI to create the resources for you in the cloud. And then you can take advantage of it in code with like one line of code. 
it saves a lot of the work and time that you would spend on actually understanding an AWS service. And I think for more advanced use cases, you know, you, you probably have to spend the time figuring out what you need to do because we also have an escape hatch. So we don't just limit customers to the, you know, the things that we've exposed in the interface. We have this escape hatch. So we're saying, okay, we've chosen the top seven use cases that we think are relevant for storage. And those are the ones that we're going to expose and wrap and implement for you. But, you know, maybe there's something in S3 that you want to do that's not those seven. Well, how do you do that? So you can actually get an escape hatch. So you can say amplify.storage. I think it's get escape hatch, mm-hmm. something simple like that. And when you do that, you actually just get the S3 client in your hands. So now you can call any operation off of S3 that we didn't expose that you need in your application. So any of the categories that wrap those services, you can get at the underlying services if you need an operation that was not implemented in our interface. Mm. So then what would also be another common integration, right? So S3 would be a very common use case with Amplify. What's another one that you often see when teams need to build out their mobile applications? So definitely off. Oh, that's a good point. I would say Cognito is, for me, one of the hardest services to understand. Yes. Um, Let's talk about that. Yeah. It takes a long time to figure out what's happening with Cognito, right? But I think the vocabulary, I mean, it's not great for me. I'm just going to, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. In my opinion, the names of things in Cognito are confusing. I think off in general is very confusing to people. Just the, the concepts of, you know, you have authentication, you have authorization. Those are two separate things. And sometimes even telling the part between those is really hard for someone to understand. So then you have this service that kind of is doing both of those things and it's not appropriately named. It's very hard to figure out. Right. Um, so, you know, you have user pools and you have identity pools. User pools is really authentication at its core. Identity pools is authorization at its core. But those names didn't give me that. Right. Like, and at this, figure that out at this from point, it's like AWS has 170 children. You're like, what's your name again? Right. And, yeah. Right? right. Like then you get into a service and you're like, oh, you have children of your own. Right. <laughs> what are these well, two? Also, like, I mean, when you click on Cognito, the, the random, see... another random child, of, like, like kind of moving away from Amplify, like another child I want to talk about is like Ground Station. Do you know anything about that? Because I had no idea that AWS also had satellite communications for downlink data. Like that blew um, my mind. And when it, it was a surprise to me when it launched, but it's really cool. I mean, I don't know much about it. I'm not going to lie. I, I do, you know, work on the mobile SDKs. Mm. So I have to maintain, to be aware of new services and be able to support them in the SDK if they're relevant to mobile. So I did do like a tiny bit of research and look into it. I, I literally know almost nothing except for the fact that I couldn't get the build working for us, but it's not relevant for mobile. I guess. Right, right. So well, so actually one of the side tangents I want to talk on is, you know, as you're talking about like this off- offline storage of your food journaling app, this is super random, but back in like 2015, I used to work at a satellite startup in, in Mountain View, right? And one of the cool. things, yeah. And one of the things that like we made like hardware for like we made satellites and I was on the team where we built an open source software for all of our clients so that their spacecraft can speak with our satellites. Right. And so similar to eh, similar ish to your food diary is that you essentially had to transmit data offline, essentially from, yeah, yeah, you know, when you said Mars, like when you're in space. So like, yeah, I was just curious. Super cool. Yeah, I had no I'm idea. That, well, this this did not exist. Oh, well, at least we didn't know about that. I don't, this was not around 20, no, 2016, it was not. 2015. Ground Station was launched, um, not this reInvent, but the one before it. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So this is only like, like a year it's or like two. It's like a year. 
Yeah. This would it didn't it was it was launched in preview too. It wasn't even GA for a large part of I yeah. think it went GA like halfway through 2020 or something. I mean, I could be wrong. So oh, I don't want to like Oh my gosh. It, but. Is it powering Blue Origin? What's what's the I don't know. <laughs> is that is that I actually don't know. Okay. No, but maybe. Because another thing is, I guess with Amplify, I don't know how you guys handle like any kind of latency issues with transmitting data, but another huge issue with transmitting information through satellites and you, like your your dashboard on Earth is that there's latencies and essentially the further you are, depending on which orbit you are, most of the satellites are in Leo, the orbit that is closest to you. But Anyways, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that like, again, I haven't explored AWS Ground Station, but I was just keen to hear if, I don't know who, I mean, obviously someone built AWS Ground Station, um, <laughs> like someone on the team magically made someone it. Someone did it. Right. But, um, but yeah, I it, don't know it anything tackles about like, it. I want to know more. I, I, I wish I had the time. I, I anticipate that it's primarily dealing with like latency issues and like, quote, like offline delivery of data essentially and don't you have to worry about like when you do that like merging data like if the satellite finally comes into contact with your earth you know data center yeah don't you have so to then merge the data basically what it? happens is like you have to wait for a satellite to go around the earth and it depends on where your satellite ground stations are a receiver of your satellite so you actually have to literally wait so you know if the world is round if it's a circle <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. You have to I'm, wait till it goes yeah, all so the way you have, around. Exactly. So you have to wait for it all the way to go around. So then it's essentially offline and then it hits your ground station once again and it transmits that data. Now that's not... And then it has to sync, right? Yeah, and so then it has to sync. And it's not the best, obviously, if there's like some kind of like natural disasters or, you know, issues or anything like that. It's like, oh, let me just casually wait for the satellite to, you know, go around the block and then come back again. And so then other times where it like misses its point and doesn't sync right or like let's say something happens to it and then like what do you how do you handle that what do you do well so there's so there's two things i mean like on a macro level one genuinely like you have more ground stations or satellites are also now moving and that's at least what we were oh, trying so it's to do it more points basically yes and either needs more points or you actually need to move the satellite into a further orbit there's three orbits leo mio geo and then you have to essentially move it further into a further orbit. And then you, if like, if I drew, I don't have an ability to draw here, but like, if you think of it as a beam, there's a triangle beam. So like, if you move it further out, right, then that beam actually covers like a greater portion of oh, the planet. As, wow, as an example. freaking crazy. As an example. Do you work for SpaceX? Like, are you No, sure no, you no. This, no, this was a startup back in the day when I used to live in the Bay. But I think the point that I'm trying to make is that like, starting from AWS, at least in just 2006 to where you guys now, it is it is absolutely just incredible. And in terms of like all the services that you can provide and what you can build with it, like the way we are building maybe mobile apps or, you know, freaking, you know, satellites. Serverless apps, satellites. Serverless satellites, you know, it, it is mind boggling. And I think for the most part, when people think of Amazon, it's just, you know, selling fidget spinners. Right. But now <laughs> we're pretty much anything like Amazon saved the day for 2020. Right. How many people ordered their entire life's collection of stuff on Amazon? Like I, I was ordering toilet paper. Right. I was ordering paper towels. I was ordering everything. On so Amazon. then does I mean, I would imagine like Amazon.com also uses all of their own services. Right. 
Amazon.com is is powered by AWS. Okay, yeah. okay, that would okay, that would be ridiculous, I guess, if it if it did not. Well, initially, it actually wasn't, so it, they migrated over. Um, but they are now a hundred percent, I think, on AWS. Does the AWS each team work on Amazon.com because it's like the Amazon.com business, or is it? So its own, you know, what I'm saying we have customers that are over on the other side. If that's what you're trying to ask, so Amplify, for example, my team. Um, interacts with the Amazon Prime Video team. We have interest over there and our desire to use Amplify. Amazon Music is another interested customer. So, you know, those teams over there, they're... Okay, so let's pause for a second. The retail side is very separate from the AWS side. Yeah, Um, We have a different CEO. We don't have the same CEO. I think that's a common misnomer that, oh, Bezos runs the entire organization. Actually, Andy Jassy is our CEO. And so we're very separated from the retail side. And actually... Even within our org, we work in silos. So we work on what's called pizza teams. Um, pizza? So it's like, yes, it is That's like amazing. 170 I get it. startups. Like little, like little, little pepperoni slices. Yeah. <laughs> so they're called two pizza teams. And basically a team is only as big as two pizzas can feed. That's the concept. And it's really cool because the reason that we're able to innovate so quickly and so fast and put out things like Ground Station is because we're not limited by typical big corporation bureaucracy because we work in like little tiny startups. So like, I have an idea, you have an idea. Okay, let's go do it. Let's go make a team and and just go do it. And you know, you, it doesn't need to go through seven layers of approval to do it. You can just go do it. Now, there are problems, of course, that come with that kind of like speed of innovation. And, and one of them that, I mean, I'm sure customers are familiar with is just the fact sometimes we put out products that do the same thing. You're <laughs> like, why does this tool exist? And why does this tool exist? Are they doing the same thing? Yeah, they do. We both have the same idea at the same time. We didn't talk to each other. That's oh, amazing. that's exactly what happens. So there's positives and negatives to being able to innovate so quickly. Um, Personally, I really enjoy being able to come up with an idea and see it come to fruition fairly quickly and put it out to customers and see, is it going to fail? Is it going to work? But, you know, most of our customer feedback is determines our roadmap essentially. So Okay, we, that actually so I was just going to ask like how, do you guys sunset projects? Like Google likes to sunset projects left and right. They're taking everything from me. Inbox. Okay, we do not reader. Do that. So our <laughs> policy on that is very clear. You will enjoy this because Google has taken everything from me too. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to also right. uh, support you on that. I've put out some apps and Google ruined my entire day in one one hour. So um so the way that it works is if we put out a service, first of all, again, 90% of our roadmap is just, it comes from customer feedback. So we know that customers want it generally before we go out and into a new market. So we, when we put out a service and customers are depending on it, if we decide to sunset that service, what happens is that we will keep it alive indefinitely for those however many customers that are using it. So let's say there were oh, 100. Wow. And what and so then all the new people that sign on to AWS, all the new accounts can no longer see that service. Or if they were not using it, they will not be able to see it in their console anymore. But if you used it and you depended on it and you have data in it or you have resources, you will forever see it in your dashboard. So there are services, like I can give you an example, like SimpleDB was an, a service that has been deprecated, but there are users that are still depending and using SimpleDB. And I cannot see it in my console because my account was created long after simple db was deprecated but somebody that is using it will forever be able to see that ui and and see their stuff in simple db okay that is actually pretty cool cuz now cuz now i'm like when is when is aws going to make their phone at this point you know what i'm saying 
Cause like, you, cause you, no. cause in the past, like two years, you got, you guys were like just launching like halos and earbuds and stuff like that. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys have all the infrastructure to run all of your IOT devices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I literally just got that on this conversation. We actually have IOT services too. We have IOT core and I think there's another one. They're actually pretty cool. You can basically set up all your IOT devices through And you guys AWS. have Twitch now? It's just... Yes, we my, have Twitch. My, yeah, my brain. I'm get- I used to stream on Twitch all the time, actually. Oh. We have an AWS channel. It's really cool. It's twitch.tv slash AWS. You can watch. Are you on there? I will join you there. I used to be an evangelist, and I used to be a, a streamer evangelist. So that means I used to stream on Twitch every day. Um, obviously, yeah, that's not my job now. Um, but occasionally, I will join you a will, Twitch you stream. Will, you will dabble in that? Well, let's- Yeah, occasionally, <laughs> my old buddies over there ask me, like, hey, can you join yeah, the can stream? You just- and I'll do it. Help me with this. Um, can you can you come on? I really I really right, need to have you right. here. Just just wear your PJs. It doesn't matter. It's that time, you know. Yes, um, there's a lot of content out there. Actually, you could probably find with me in it from like I, the old I days. Will, I will reverse stalk you. I will. Yeah, I'll be like okay. Nikki. Look at this. Look at that. <laughs> look at you. Look at you. There's go. a lot of good Amplify content from like before I worked on Amplify to when I was just like showing you how cool it was. Yeah. No, I, I actually it, it came out a very perfect time. I. I really didn't use Amplify before because I'm not a mobile dev. And I start, I had like friends j- really couldn't find other iOS devs as well. Um, and some some folks are like really strong front-end devs. And I was like, just take a, I mean, just go have at this. I really enjoy talking to you. I really want to start like bringing this together. And I, I think I like to always like to end the show with what was your first memory of like a tech device that you had? Either your first computer or whatever it was, like, what was your earliest memory? Okay, I was maybe seven or eight, and my mom bought a PC, and she left me alone in a room with it by mistake, and I took it apart. She came back in, saw the piece on the floor, flipped out, just completely flipped out. Because that was like $5,000 in like 90s money. I cannot believe (laughs) I just spent thousands of dollars on this new PC. How could you do this? And I was like, don't worry, mom, I'm going to put it back together, put it back together. And I upgraded her CD drive it, while I did it what? to a DVD drive. Um, oh, that's she had purchased cool. a DVD drive, like, and it was just sitting there. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm just going to like just put this back together it. again. Do, I'm like, do you remember those like anyways. AOL DV, like, CDs in the mail? Do you remember that? Since we're like the same yes. age. You remember? Yes, I do. You get those yeah, like free AOL discs used... from like the mail with a yes. little yellow guy running. And you're like, how, do, what, is, what? what is this? You got mail. I still remember that. I still remember every time like you logged in. Oh, I remember the noise it used to make <laughs> when you like connected like and the screeching. Like, the I would actually, I would have to literally <sighs> run out of my parents' room with my ears plugged because it was so scary. I, oh, I couldn't you handle didn't it. like it? Oh, I, I loved it. I, I would like sit it. there like glued to the freaking computer like waiting for it to finish. Like it was like music to my ears. You got mail. And then right when it was amazing. Done. So, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, that was going. your first memory. Wait. Okay. So, I have a question for you. Okay. Let's do this. As you're wrapping up. Yeah. So, you mentioned that you used Amplify. So, like, what was your experience? What can we work on? How can we improve? Ooh, that is the How gr- can we get better? Um, because, and what did you use? Did you use, by the way, you know, we don't just do mobile development, we do web dev. So, we actually launched Amplify JS before we launched Amplify iOS and Amplify Android. So, and we also have Amplify Flutter now. So we support Flutter developers oh, as well. Oh, that's, that's actually, I did not know that. 
I installed a CLI and it was um, just a Python game. Like a, the, the snake game, I think that's like, it was so easy to just host. I just couldn't believe it. Like it, it actually, it was so fast. I was like, wait, this is it? Yeah, yeah. that was it. That was genuinely it. Like, okay, yeah. that's a good experience. Yeah, that it was actually, so, you know, my, my feedback, I think my only feedback is really just shock. Like it was so seamless to use and so easy to install. Yeah, that was it. I was like, this, I'm done. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That I like, I couldn't believe it. And I, I feel like if you're just listening to the podcast, you're like, what is she talking about? Like, this doesn't even go make sense. Go try it. What? Go try it. Yeah, if go actually try podcast, it. Yeah, no, because I, I, I wanted to try it just, just before this call. So at least like I had a little bit more context. And then as I was running it, I was just like, this, this is the, the way you launched it was so easy. I could not believe it. And yeah, I honestly don't have anything to say because it was just that easy and I couldn't believe it. I I know I keep repeating myself, but it, I think it's shock. I think it's just pure shock. It's re- it really is that easy. Um and that's that's our hope is that it's just it's just stupid simple to use the cloud especially if you're unfamiliar with AWS. Um it, by the way, the website is amplify.aws. Just go quickly check it out. Um it's really really cool, really easy. I think where we could improve, I'm going to speak on behalf Let's of you is is for our more advanced use cases beyond just getting started and setting it up. Because I think we've nailed that. And now we need to kind of get into, okay, now I want to do this way more advanced use case. Can you help me here? Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna speak on your behalf and say, that is an area where I feel like my team could really focus on. Yeah, that's a good point. When I was looking at other tutorials, I mean, essentially there was like some easy installations. And then once I was thinking of like, okay, how do I integrate this with other dev tools? Um, that that's actually a good point. Those documentations were missing. So yep. onboarding process, incredible. I think once you take it to the next level of like, what else can I integrate this with? Um, that, yeah, that kind of, yeah, that got a little tricky, but. I think we'll be working on that for the next couple of months. I think that's a big focus across all the platform teams is like, how can we, how can we level up now? Well, I really look forward to that. And Nikki, thank you so much again for joining. I look forward to just, you know, continuing the conversation. I You're going to hear a lot more from me because I'm going to just <laughs> nerd out like, oh my God, look at this. How about this? Um, this has been super awesome. Thank you so much for joining. And with that being said, thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you for having me. All right. Welcome back. And all I can say was... Nikki is, she, she's a beast. I, it was a really, man, it was a good talk. Thank you so much for joining. As a reminder, I'm Sydney Lai. I would definitely recommend checking out the show notes where you're going to find other AWS projects that you can dive into. You can find a few integration um, documents as well. And I really, I really want to invite you to come and join me next week again. We're going to have another really good interview. I'm not, I'm not sure. Am I allowed to say I guess you're just going to wait. Thank you so much for joining and see you soon.